So last week was WWDC, and because uh, we are recording this on the 12th, uh, WWDC was the first week in June. That was last week, and I was out in San Jose. Is there anybody else on this call that was in San Jose last week? <laughs> yes, I was. R- Renee Ritchie, is that you on our show? Yeah, and I, I was actually staying in the hotel room opposite yours. I know, that's so how's right. That? that was so awesome. <laughs> I checked into the hotel, and Renee and Lori Gill were in the, the lobby, and Lori was checking in as well. And they said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to go grab some dinner. Do you want to come along? And I said, yeah, sure. That's great. Let me just go drop my stuff. It was great. Like, we all uh, yep. well, went up to dinner. It was a good way to combat the immediate FOMO that occurs when you attend WWDC, <laughs> where it's like, oh my God, everyone's <laughs> out doing a thing with cool people and I haven't done it yet. And in this case, it was just like, I've hit the ground and I'm already doing things with cool people. It was it was a lot of fun. It's amazing. It, it pains me that everybody tweeted that it was so much better than last year. <laughs> and, and like, that was my first dub dub. And this one, I chose to miss. Like, I, I actively had a hotel room booked, didn't get a ticket and thought, oh, I'll skip this year. It's OK. And and now, you know, everybody was saying how good it is, how packed the, the keynote was and how many things that they introduced. And oh, the, the, the FOMO was hitting me hard that week. You deserved it because you you <laughs> you ditched me. I was so excited. You were like, Rue, I'm going to Dub Dub. It's my birthday that week. I'm going to be there. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, yes. And I booked my hotel room and my flight. And then, like, a day later, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go, though. And I was like, yeah, son of a bitch. Like, I was all excited. <laughs> that that was the second text message that I sent you. The first one was twin room, question mark, <laughs> once I found out the prices. And then I just got a one-word response that was, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Renee. Yes, sir. I'm assuming that your week, being there sort of as press, was a bit different than than my week being there as a developer. How how was your week? Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting because I, I, I have this massive FOMO every year because a lot of my developer friends, they go to a few sessions and then just party the entire week. And a lot of my press friends, they go to like the keynote and then party the rest of the day or week, depending on how long they stay. And then there's people like Gruber and Dalrymple who just have parties. All right. Um, And I I go to the sessions and then I think I had two days of briefings and I I kept trying to get stuff up. But no matter how fast I wrote or how fast I videoed, it just I could not keep up this year. Yeah, it, it really felt like every day. There was something, there was some new tidbit of information that came out that was really cool and worth, worth covering. I, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, they stacked the, I mean, they usually will hear about iOS afterwards and we'll get more about macOS. This year, there were like briefings on SwiftUI. I had a, a dedicated privacy and security briefing. There were briefings on like just all, all sorts of manner of things throughout those two days. It was really amazing, but it was so much. Yeah. Wow. All right, I'll tell you what. We're, we'll get into the rest of the rest of my questions later. Let's let's dive into uh, a little Watchtower Weekly. Uh, Anna, do you want to you want to lead us off here? Yeah, go for it. Um, so our first story this week is Google, WhatsApp, and Apple slam GCHQ proposal to snoop on encrypted chats. What is the GCHQ? The Government Communications Headquarters. Uh, yeah. But ironically, most of the communications that they do is snooping on other people. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a British uh, agency then? It is. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting a little bit, you know, 
a little bit big brothery over here. A little Alan Moore. You know, with this and the kind of the porn ban. I don't know whether you guys have heard of that, but um, essentially the, the, the stupid thing about this is it requires you to, to buy a pass and then you are trusting your information when buying that pass to a third party and the government is trusting that third party to hold information safe. We, we know where this is going, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it just, yeah, it's, it's getting a bit kind of dictatorial. <laughs> yeah. So my thing is that the city of Baltimore was held hostage by a U.S. government controlled malware that they could not keep secure or protected within their own confines, yet we're expected to believe that any sort of backdoor or encryption access they have will be perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that on the show last week, actually. But yeah, this is a proposal that they're, yeah, they want to be a ghost participant in every encrypted message conversation without users even knowing that they're present. That's terrifying. That's like police state nonsense. That's, I don't like, I don't, I don't like it. Guys, I don't like it. The dangerous thing is that this is a proposal, right? So they're obviously trying to go too far and then rein it back. And that's always the bit that worries me, right? They they go way far out there and then rein it back to like a midway point. But even that midway point in this is dangerous. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, they're saying it's a starting point for discussion, but I don't know. I just feel like what the government wants, the government gets. And eventually, in some form, it will it will come through. Yeah, no, this is terrible. Uh, and hopefully just goes goes nowhere. The NCSC seem to be playing themselves as the the kind of good guys to the GCHQ bad guys at the moment. It, it's, a, it's a very weird thing in, in British intelligence at the moment. Uh, the NCSC are the National Cyber Security Center. Um, and they have actually previously put out public relation things with, uh, with Troy Hunt and, and kind of said... How bad it is to cycle passwords and and do things like that and and mandate changes uh, when a password isn't even compromised and so they they seem to be doing good stuff but at the same side you know we're we're seeing things like this come out of GCHQ which is just yeah just not good I think this kind of goes hand in hand with some other things that have been happening in the in the media and and one of them is the uh, the US visa applicants that are required to hand over social media info yeah. Oh, God, I hate this. I, I hate this. Like, I just, ugh. it's one thing if they if they sort of go and do investigation and sort of like, you know, find social media posts and and realize that you're, you know, some radicalized person that's coming into the into the States to do harm. I don't know, man. This just feels a little a little hairy. That's all. I mean, most most societies have determined that it's not acceptable to preemptively collect fingerprints or to preemptively collect DNA samples. And that's why they have warrants and all these these steps that they have to go through. But data collection seems like it's being preemptive. And the concern with that is they collect vast amounts of information. It allows abuses like, oh, we want to get Rue. Let's go back through all the data we've collected and find something to get him on. And that's never how you want these places to operate. Yeah, for sure. All right. So these, this is covered by Sophos.com, by the way. Visa applicants to the U.S. are now required to submit five years of social media account information. Uh, this will give the government access to personal data we share on social media, such as photos, locations, dates of birth, dates of milestones, and more. Um, it's only requesting account names. So, you know, okay. I guess that's that's like if, if you've made things public uh, and and it hasn't leaked because, you know, of course it has probably. But uh, if if, you know, you have your accounts private and whatnot, 
sure, I guess that's fine. They're not asking for passwords, although the idea has sort of been talked about in the past. I can sort of see it from from the point of view of like, well, let's just, you know, we have this avenue for gathering information on this person. This is what this person has said about themselves or these are ideas this person has shared. But you know, what do they do? What do they do with the information afterwards? And, and Renee, I think that goes to your point of like, do they just hang on to it just in case? Yeah, I had a remarkable experience the other day when I was going through customs and I have a Nexus card. Uh, and right before you use it, you give uh, either a fingerprint, depending on whether you're going from Canada to the U.S., but fingerprint or an iris scan. And I went through the iris scan and then went to customs. And they said, why are you going to the U.S.? And I said, for an Apple event. And they said, oh, I hate Apple. Their face ID is creating uh, like it's creating a database that's going to invade privacy. And I'm like, oh, you, you just saw me give an iris scan <laughs> like five feet away from you. And I'm sure the back end database to that is like Accenture or some company that's been all over the data violation rules lately. Wow. So I'm not sure where the disconnect is, but it's somewhere in those five feet. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, yeah, borders do create this kind of anxiety, don't they? Yeah. Wasn't it in the news recently as well that uh, the photos that they take as you cross the, the driving border, they leaked all the photos from there? Yeah. Gosh. What you're saying is that they catch me in my awful flop sweat as I go across the border because even though I have nothing to worry about, I'm always terrified to answer questions because I'm afraid that I'm going to say something wrong and they're going to be like, ah, sir, please pull over here. We're going to we're going to empty your entire vehicle and go through all of your your entire life just because I, you know, I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And now this is the next one is my favorite. This is my favorite news story. Uh, this is from Gr- Graham <laughs> Cluley's, uh website. Um, Facebook lawyer argues you should have, quote, no expectation of privacy. Uh <laughs> I just love it. I just love it so much. This was in regard. This this was re- regarding the the Cambridge Analytica privacy scandal. Their lawyers are like, yeah, it's not really a scandal because there's no invasion of privacy here. We don't, people shouldn't expect that they have privacy on our platform. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's just it's delicious. It's it's interesting that it came so close to him at the F8 conference, telling the world that he was committed to turning the company around and making it more privacy focused. Um. And then he he made a joke about it, about, you know, they weren't previously known for their privacy. And the silence after that was was deafening. Yeah, it was awkward. And he tries to laugh. (laughs) It was way more of a reaction than than a thousand dollar stand for a for a screen. You know, it was it was it was incredible. It was a massive facepalm moment. <laughs> there was this weird thing with F8 and Google I.O. And I'm, I'm, I keep calling it the massive privacy gaslight where they're really uncomfortable with people caring more about privacy. You know, people are starting to care about privacy the way they cared about security after Windows XP. And it makes them really uncomfortable. So they're trying to make us think privacy doesn't mean what we what we know it to mean. And so Facebook is like. We're, we have privacy, but they're actually talking about encryption. And then Google's like, we have privacy. You can delete everything after three months. And you're like, no, 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 that's data retention. That's not privacy. Right. Right. And it's, it really feels like they're trying to make us doubt the actual meaning of the word. I think they're doing a great job at it as well. Like if you think about what we thought privacy was, you know, five years ago of, of it kind of of someone not taking your data now it is the fact that they will secure your data. It's it's very weird how things are, are changing like that, that, that your data is almost seen as necessary. Expected. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then you get, you know, this is this is going to dovetail into our into our sort of topic of the week, which is the WWDC privacy special. 
you got Apple on stage that like every opportunity they could during the keynote, they were like, we've thought about privacy from the beginning. This is not violating any. We're not keeping any of your data. You know, this is all done securely and privately and anonymously and because privacy matters. And it's such a stark contrast. And I love I just love that this is the thing that Apple is now hanging its hat on. You know, like back in the day when you had Justin Long and John Hodgman, you know, doing the I'm a PC and I'm a Mac commercials and their Apple's differentiator was like, look, there's no viruses on our platform and it just works and it's easy and everything else. And then then today that message has now been transformed into like, look, your privacy matters to us. We've baked it into the beginnings of everything we do. And I love that that's the new differentiator that they're that's that drum they're hammering. It's awesome. I had a friend today. Uh, we were just driving and he said, why does why does Waze need your data? Why don't they just not collect it? And I had to explain to him that. No, 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 you're thinking about it wrong. The only reason Waze exists is to collect your data. All of this stuff is like they have a data harvesting operation and they need to create as many things as possible to get us to give them the information for that harvesting. Yeah. The products are just tangential. It really is that that same adage that's, you know, it's it's a bit cliche, but like if you are not paying for the service, then you are the product. You are being sold. That's that's Facebook, that's that's Twitter. That's Waze. Like it's Google. You know, it's every. If you're not paying for it, they're making money off you somehow. I wish the line was as clean as that. <laughs> not not to be the depressing one of the conversation, but I, I I wish it was as clean as that. And it wasn't. If you're paying for it, you still have to check. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into uh, into a little bit of WWDC recap? Renee, I'm sure that you've you've spoken on all of these topics at length on various shows uh, and, and different different media so far. So I hope that you still have a little bit of gas left in the tank to, to run with us here. No, and totally. And this, like being able to just talk about the privacy and security aspects is also really great because a lot of times, and I think you and I talked about this, but Craig spoke so fast, so fast, and there was so much that it was impossible to go deep on any particular part of it. So the yeah. ability to focus on some of it is really welcome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so... We have a whole list of topics we want to go through here, but Renee, what was what was your like moment? What was your favorite thing from a security and privacy point of view specifically? It, it had to be sign in with Apple because yes. there are so many services for so many years that just said log in with Facebook, log in with Google, and people would do it because the idea of single sign on is compelling. It's it's why enterprise and education wants it. It's just you you don't need to create all these myriad accounts. You can just use your existing account. But they again, they don't provide you anything with for free. So they they use just even the appearance of their buttons collected data, logging in with them collected data. They use them as massive harvesting operations. And Apple's is very clean. It's they don't look at any of the stuff. They they do. I'm sure we'll get into all the details. But when they relay your email, they even have zero knowledge of the email they're relaying. And I like the yeah. fact that it was to your point private by design. Yeah, absolutely. I avoid those those buttons like the plague, the sign in yeah. with Google and sign in with Facebook buttons. I just like I look for the tiny little link that says sign in with your email address instead because I know that like if I don't, who knows what I'm giving up. But I will actively seek out this button. And they're going hard on it too. Like if your app has this is a bit of a flex on Apple's part, but I'm I'm kind of for it. If your app has a sign in with Google or a sign in with, you know, some sort of sign in with social button, it must also have a sign in with Apple button, which means yeah. a ton of services are going to be rolling this out because they're required to. 
I uh, tangentially, I, I had dinner with the team that developed this this year, which is another one of my favorite things about Dub Dub is getting to hang out with the the engineers that actually build this cool stuff. And they were so happy, like they were just so proud that this thing went out. They didn't know it was going to be in the keynote, like they they knew it was going to be covered that week, but they were like, "Wow, we got like ten slides in the keynote about this thing. This is amazing." Yeah. So they were they were on cloud nine, and from Apple Watch to Mac Pro, I mean, it works across everything. Yeah, right. Holy cow. That's a different discussion altogether. Like yeah. for the longest time, it's been like, okay, we've got this new feature and it's available on iOS or we've got this new feature and it's coming to Mac. And this year it was very much like we've got this new feature and it's available everywhere. You know, whether it was signed with Apple or Swift UI, I mean, huge, huge uh, sort of consistency across the board, which is really great to see. Yeah, because in lack of consistency, you don't you can't depend on it. So one of my one of my favorite things about this is the unique email address generator. That is such a nerdy <laughs> nerdy feature. It really is, but it's so good. Like I, I've wanted one of these for ages, and like when I sign up to something, I'll be like, okay, my email address is uh, I don't want any of your bullshit at mydomain.com, right? <laughs> I'll just make up an email address on the spot and be like, okay, you can send emails there, but I'll know it's you. Yeah. This just, it just makes that so much easier. Do you do this, Renee? Do you do you anonymize or, or randomize your email address using the plus modifier? I, you know, I don't um, because it never, it never, like it, it's just so legible regardless of using the plus modifier. I'm sure a lot of computer systems would be fooled by it, but it never never felt like it was worth the effort. But to have a completely like a burner email address that is unique to each account that I can delete at any time if I'm like, nope, nope, that was one email spam letter too many, folks. Uh, just the ability to control all of that uh, is is hugely enticing to me. And also, like if the, if the company doesn't care about your information at all, they can just fast track you into the app. The button comes up, you press it, and you're using it. And you don't have to worry about any of the data collection. It really creates a very frictionless experience for for new customers getting set up on a service or you know getting set up on their devices and stuff. It's you're right. You just see that button, you're like, oh, that's how I go. That's it. It's really cool. So the other thing that they cracked down on this year was the location sharing. We've had lots of news stories come out recently of, of, you know, apps collecting your location data in the background and sending it up to their services and everything. They're adding a new uh, a new option now to the location prompt, which is, you know, there's right now it's um, share even in the background. It's share while this app is active. There's going to be a new button, which is share just once. Uh, which is really cool. Like you, you know, maybe it's some app that you need for a specific reason and you know, you're, it's a, it's a one-off. You don't want to give them your location data, uh, sort of on a persistent basis. You can just allow it once and get, get the information, let them get the information they need from your current location and then never again. I think that's a really cool change. Yeah. Cause you, you can be really like too trusting of your location to some things. Uh, I mean, Find my friends, Rue. You're still sending me your location, uh, and, it, and it's been—it's a good year since we've we've met each other in uh, in person <laughs> since Dub Dub. So. True. No, you're right. Uh, I I periodically will curate that list, but uh, I I rarely shut it off, mostly because I know that you're watching, Matt, and that you just want to see what I what I'm up to. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I loved was a location. Sh- well, they have two kinds of shaming built into this. One is as soon as I installed the beta. Uh, Facebook and Amazon asked for Bluetooth access because they had been <laughs> surreptitiously using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to track location without any permission for it. And this, to quote Craig, you know, shuts that down. 
But also when they tell you an app is using your location in the background, they show you where it's been tracking you. And one of the big problems with data collection is when you pay for something, you see the money coming out of your wallet or your account. When you do something like install patent unencumbered Linux, you see the seconds on the clock of your life ticking down in front of you. You know what you're paying with. But for data, we're all data billionaires and you never really see like the messages animating going into Google or the pictures animating going into Facebook. But this shows you like the app has been everywhere where you are. And I think that creates a visceral reaction that forces you to stop and think about it yeah there is isn't there like a map overview now too that you can see yes oh that's so good i love that it creates such a like a dent in in these data collection businesses yeah they gotta be real mad right like they've gotta be sort of wringing their hands like adobe with battery shaming mad (laughs) all right let's talk a little bit about home kit um renee how many how many like HomeKit enabled devices do you have? Oh, so many. I mean, I'm looking at blinds and lights and doorknobs and sorry, door locks and thermostats and all sorts of things around me right now. Do you really? Yeah, I went all in on That's it. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's just so like you can wait. You can just say good morning and like the blinds all open and like, everything happens. It's like I always Iron Man ruined me. I just want the Tony Stark house and every year I get closer <laughs> and closer to it. Gosh. But I have zero cameras for this very reason. Yeah. So this is the this is the the next thing was that. HomeKit secure video. Uh, it analyzes video locally. So, okay, we've talked about this on the show as well, where um, you, know, you ring doorbell. That video is getting sent up to some Amazon S3 bucket, and then a bunch of uh, ring employees are sitting around annotating the videos <laughs> so that to sort of power their machine learning and everything. Look, they're else kissing so they can... again. They're kissing again. Yeah. So creepy. Oh, it like it just makes me not want to have any of this stuff anywhere near my house. But now, if, if you get a device that has HomeKit secure video, all that analysis is being done locally. The data is then encrypted and sent to iCloud. Like, you, you really you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. It's, it's like a safe way to have a camera around your house, and I would actually I'm consider so happy it. about it. Like there, there's also secure router. Like, Apple's not making their own router, which still bums me out to no end. But just that they're putting this layer of encryption that's, that lets you do local things locally uh, is a boon to... Uh, I'm still not going to put a HomeKit camera. I'm not going to put any connected camera facing inside, uh, but I'm going to consider it for facing outside now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. This one, I think, from a nerd point of view, like a nerdy tech point of view, this one, this next one is my favorite. And this is the new Find My stuff. Now, the name is terrible because it's got to be... Yeah. The, the actual implementation is, is crazy cool. So, Find My now combines Find My Friends find and Find My iPhone into a single application and find my iPhone was basically find my Apple device. Uh, but it only worked if your device was on a network. Yeah. This thing allows you to find any device anywhere that it can connect to any other Apple device to provide its location. So take your MacBook that does not have GPS, but you know, it does have Bluetooth. It does have Wi-Fi, and stick it on a bus somewhere and watch it roll away what conceivably what you should be able to do is track its location because anytime someone else gets on that bus with an iphone it's going to communicate with that iphone to forward its location up to the cloud so that you can then see where it is geographically but in a super smart secure way where it doesn't identify the iphone that's transmitting it doesn't identify the macbook just provides it available to you when you choose to look at it yes it's amazing like this is this is some next level stuff. It's so it's, cool. It's really impressive. I, I, and I, I want the other side of this. 
where not when my MacBook is miles away on a bus. I, I do want the ability to tap my watch and it to ping the noise to my to my MacBook because <laughs> I I do lose it around the house. I don't even live in that big of a house, but I still lose it around the house. <laughs> So the, I haven't actually heard much about the, this next one, the activation lock. I think it's for Mac, right? They're bringing activation lock from iOS to Mac. Yeah, okay. Is this like the uh, after 10 times of putting in your password incorrectly on the on the lock screen, it'll just like lock the whole thing down? I think it's also you can't reconstitute it if you don't have the iCloud password that activated the lock to begin with. Ah, nice. Okay, cool. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying, Ru, about their, their, you know, for a while now we all had those... Uh, bracket sent with fireworks bracket, right? Where you had like features on iOS that maybe for years wouldn't come to the Mac or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like a concerted effort to get all these platforms on the same foundations from not always the same implementations, but at least the features you expect to be on every Apple device are going to be on every Apple device. Yep, for sure. All right. The last security thing that we can we can sort of touch on here, uh, unless I've forgotten, unless we've forgotten something, is uh, starting with Catalina, so 10.15, the system is now going to be on its own read-only volume. So it's going to be split off from the user space, and that means that rogue processes really can't go and make changes to this thing. Like, it's it's really sort of locking it down and locking it away and and keeping it safe and secure so that you know that your system hasn't been compromised. That's a really neat idea. And driver kit, right? So they stay out of your kernel. I mean, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that just makes it so much more secure. Yes. Yeah. Like they're they're moving yeah. away from from kernel extension development to to sort of moving those those uh, those kernel extension development back into user space. Uh, it's really smart. All right. What didn't we talk about? What didn't we talk about from last week? I think we covered. That. I mean, just just security and privacy stuff, or just in general. I I know, I know, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't cover. <laughs> All right, so uh, not security and privacy, but oh my god, the Mac Pro. Yeah, <gasps> it's got a T2 chip. It's fair game. Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so excited to see that, and this is this is where we will deviate from security a little bit. This was like old school Apple, right? Of just like a. Like, oh, you want a you want a pro machine? Here is an expensive, wicked powerful pro machine that it will just crush anything else that's out there. Uh, <laughs> here you go. And by the way, uh, it costs fu dollars. That's yeah. how much this thing is. <laughs> Bring mortgage your house. Yeah, but I love it. I think it's great. Like this is it was such a such a return to form for Apple in that in that space, and it's not. It's not for me. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm, I'm not sitting here going like, yeah, I need one of these. I mean, this is for like pros doing pro level work. This is, I mean, Xcode would certainly, you know, scream on this thing. But that's not. I'm not. The, I mean, just I'm not because you like Audi doesn't mean you're buying a Lamborghini Huracan, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah, I, I do think a, a version where instead of the stainless steel, they had glass would be pretty cool. <laughs> Like, cause it looks better on the inside than it does on the outside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. Like, why, why does it look like a cheese grater? I don't get it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, there was a joke that the old one was called a cheese grater, right? Yeah, it was. And then this is the cheese grater. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It's for it's for the thermal cooling. I mean, they just push so much air through that thing. It's unbelievable. And apparently the 3D cheese grater is better than a 2D cheese grater. Yeah, absolutely. World. So let's see. Uh, let's let's find let's go. We're going to go right to the source. Apple dot com slash Mac pro. 
uh, and Anna, they say that... Can you grate cheese with it? That's all I want You can, okay. yes. Yes. Uh, it does void your warranty, but you can. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. You can grate the cheese and bake the pizza using the, the machine. Like, it's it's an all-in-one. Well, that's value for money. <laughs> it, it, exactly. There yeah. you go. Sold. No one is looking at this thinking that's value for money. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you say? Should we should we dive into uh, everyone's favorite segment, which is what the phrase? Go for it. I'm going to throw it out to you and Renee because definitely me and Matt know this phrase, but it's a bit of how's your father. <laughs> so this was in Austin Powers, so I feel like it's not fair. Well, I also feel like it's it's in, it's excessively dirty because it was in Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of you. Was it a part of a little drop of you and me? <laughs> Okay, Renee, go ahead. You you take a swing at it because I'm mine's gonna be filthy. Oh, but mine's no better than <laughs> oh, yours. No. So I feel like we both have just we. I feel like we both just have to sit here and sort of behave ourselves. Is it like a little bit of grab ass? Like is it is it like? Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not being dirty enough. Oh no, is it uh, is it being intimate, Anna? Is this? Uh, it is, Rue. It is. Just a little bit of the. I feel like the real British word for it is rumpy pumpy. Rumpy pumpy. <laughs> <laughs> But used in context, in a sentence, it's, she said that two weeks is a long time to go without a bit of how's your father. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, I can't get Michael Caine out of my head. I I was trying to find, like, the etymology and the history of this, but it's just, uh, the the British have been around too long, I think, is the problem here. And so we've just made weird links between things that didn't ever have links and just time has, has caused... Just odd things like this. Yeah, I tried to research it and everyone was like, nope, don't know where that came from. Don't know the origin of that phrase. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming Michael Caine. That's what I'm going to oh do. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I think that's uh, everything from everyone. So uh, as we're coming to the end of the season, we would absolutely love if you could leave us a review and tell us what you think of the show. Uh, we'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, please also get in touch if there's anything you'd like to hear us discussing on the show or if there's a particular guest you'd love to have on. Uh, we appreciate all the suggestions and thank you very much, Rene, for joining us. Oh, no, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I was I was really excited that, you know, we were talking last week and I was like, let's, let's get you on the show. And you're like, okay, let's do it. And then we did it. And it was fun. And I'm so happy you were here. I had a blast with you at Dub Dub and it just felt like this was keeping the experience going. I agree. Yep. Likewise, man. It was it was a ton of fun. Oh, now I missed out on him. <laughs> you <more>. did. Yeah. <laughs> They're just rubbing it in now. I know. <laughs> All right. Love you, Rue. I love you guys, too. Take it easy. Thank you guys so much. Bye.